hello and welcome to our podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Please head to our website for more information on what is happening at Ashburton New Life or to get in touch. One of our team would love to talk to you. Here's today's message. Yo, yo. Is that all good? Yeah. Yeah. Man, so I have the, the privilege of ending the series of Amazing Grace. We've heard some great sermons about Amazing Grace, and um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this morning, it is amazing, and it's almost a lot more amazing, this grace, than what I realized until I started kind of uh, researching and praying into uh, like what I was to say this morning. So for those who don't know me, I'm, I'm John O'Hooper. And uh, something I've noticed over the, like, the last couple of um, sermons or like, maybe the last couple of months is that people have some really good intros and they have like, um, a picture of their family or something. And so I said, to, I, said I reached out to my mum and I was like, you know, like, these people, are, they've got all these awesome um, the photos and everything. I was like, do you have any, any photos of me as like a young one, like maybe like a toddler or just, just going through so people can see kind of who I was because, you know, I was kind of came to this church. And um, anyways, she sent me some photos back and everything. But what I realised looking through these photos, you know how some people are just really talented when they're young, like, like, like a protege? And you know, like some people get into things when they're really young. I didn't know, but I was flipping just talented as. <laughs> and I was like, my mum said, you were just like praying and interceding when you're like a baby. And you were like reading the Bible at like one year old. <laughs> I'm not joking. And if you don't believe me, I'll prove it to you. Oh, like, there we go. So that's, that's me. Okay. Um, the next, I've got another photo for you. See, this is me. I, man, I was playing amazing, like worship music and everything. See, I was, I was pretty much a newborn then. And I didn't even know. Like, I was beekeeping and, like, running a whole beekeeping industry when I was only just uh, probably, like, one, one then. You know, that's, you just sit there, like, beekeeping in my little tiny hive. Anyway, fast forward to like, with 10, I was such a protege. Like, this is a photo of me. I was preaching in front of flipping packed out crowds. Look at me, I was just, everyone just loved me. Um, I've got a more recent photo of me at Rewoven. <laughs> see see my, my cat in the, the Nord that's getting fixed at the moment. And I was so happy after Rewoven, it was a good time. So yeah, if you don't know me, now you know me a little bit more. I was just, just amazing protege. <laughs> oh well, um, I'm just going to quickly pray. Lord, we thank you so much for um, your grace and your goodness. And Lord, we just want to commit this um, word into your hands. And we just pray that our hearts would be open. And we pray that we'd have revelation this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So the opening verse for this morning um, is all about the grace, and this comes from Romans 5, verses 17. It says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even, even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will uh, live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, 
Jesus Christ. So there's some words in there um, to receive it. And later on, we will see that we also need to believe it um, to receive this gift. And so my sermon, my sermon title this morning is uh, The Gift, Believe It and Receive It. Um, and it's talking about um, the gift of grace and, and what it is. Um, and so we're going to go through um, grace. And I didn't know, it's actually multi faceted. It's comprehensive. The gift of grace is comprehensive. Um, when I grew up, I, this, this was my understanding of grace, was that like, I was a sinner and I had sin and there was um, like, I couldn't measure up to um, God's standard. And so good thing there was grace um, to save me from sin so that I didn't have to go to hell, but I could go to heaven. Like once I die, I could receive eternal life. But then somewhere in there as well, I suddenly just started thinking, okay, that's good. I've got salvation. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to depart from God when I die and, and be separate from him. I'm going to live and go to heaven. But I didn't understand because I, I just felt like I had to do something then for God. Like, okay, so now I've got saved. Now I need to try and read the Bible. And now I need to try and pray. And now I need to try and be a good person. And all of these tendencies that I had from my sinful nature well, that's not like a Christian life. So now I have to try and, oh, that thought came into my head. Eesh, God is definitely not pleased with that thought. So now I have to try and, I don't know, like go to church or read the Bible more or something or just muster up some kind of strength to, to measure up to what I felt that God wanted me to live, like this standard but like I was saved from sin like I was I was not going to hell and I was going to go to heaven one day but then I had this struggle <laughs> within me like the things that I wanted to do I didn't do and the things that I didn't want to do I did you know like you struggle over and again you go around in cycles of like not measuring up or sinfulness just to have guilt to do the same thing again and then Round and round we go. And so there's this interesting concept all through Romans. And it's amazing. If you, I, I challenge you, I encourage you, read through Romans 7, but um, read in the Passion Translation. It's, it's amazing. It like really unpacks it. It really changes it. And um, so I've just jumped ahead of myself. We're going to go to Ephesians. We are going to go to Romans 7, but we are going to go to Ephesians. And uh, this is just going to highlight to us kind of like our foundation um, for this morning. And this is Ephesians 1 verses 1 to 8. And there's some highlighted, um, there's some highlighted words here which, which show us the truth of kind of our Christian life. Okay, so it says... And you were dead in trespasses and sins. And then it says, but God, uh, so this is in verse 4, it says, but God, being rich in mercy because of 
his great love. And then it says, by grace. So if you, so if you, um, oh, we didn't happen to have that slide, Caitlin, or nope. Um, if you don't remember anything other, if you don't remember anything else this morning, it's that you were, so if you are a born again Christian, you were, right? This who used to, used to, used to be and your sins and trespasses. But God, like there was an intervention that happened. But God, and then by grace. So you like, and you have to remember this all the time. I was, you were, but then there was an intervention, but God, and then by grace, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, seated in the heavenly places. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. So that's the, that's the believing. So I would say to you this morning, there's a principle. There's a principle. No faith, no grace. If you, if you don't believe it, <laughs> you can't receive it. And it's not from ourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works that anyone could boast. And so when we go through this life, we can also put that through another filter, right? Which is, if we find ourselves boasting in something that we've done, or feeling the need of like, wow, look at what I've done, it probably is coming from works and not by something that we've received. <laughs> yeah? Okay, so now we get to Romans 7. And all through Romans, there's this concept of the law, sin and death, grace, life, and the Spirit kind of running tandem. And this is probably like the most important part of the message in a way to get in your life to set you free <laughs> from sin and death. It says in Romans that grace, uh, sorry, that sin shall no longer be your master because you're under grace and not under the law. It's such a concept. And I encourage you to pray, to think, uh, to ask Holy Spirit to reveal his truth in us. So in Romans 7, verses 5, it says, When we were merely living natural lives, the law, def through defining sin, actually awakened sinful desires within us, which resulted in bearing the fruit of death. So what is the law? The law was like, do not covet, do not have any other false idols before me, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not. And so what is the law? The law is... Um, the standard that God requires for us to be righteous and holy, yeah. right? And when Jesus came, he didn't, he didn't do away with all of those laws. He actually made it even worse because one of them is like, do not commit adultery. And then he's like, in the very fact, you don't even have to be in the same vicinity as another person and you just think about them and you've already committed like lustful adultery in your heart. Right, so that's that's an even higher standard and more hard to accomplish. 
So really what, what it's saying is that the law shows us how we just can't do this thing on our own, right? We're, we're pretty hopeless and we will, when, when we think, oh, I, I need to try and stop sinning, we're coming underneath the law and saying, there's, there's almost like no hope for us. And that's when sin kind of comes to life. It's like a law that God's put in to make sure that we can never produce righteousness on our own. It's, un, it's unattainable, right? So I'll carry on reading a little bit. So it was saying here that the law, which is all of these commands that we have to live up to, through defining sin, actually awakened sinful de- desires within us, which resulted in bearing fruit to death. But now that we have been fully released from the power of the law, we are dead to once, to what once controlled us. And our lives are no longer motivated by the obsolete way of following the written code, so that we may now serve God by living in the freshness of a new life in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is grace. That is grace, and it is so amazing. So, so then Paul says, so what shall we say about all this? Am I suggesting that the law is sinful? Of course not. It was, in fact, it was the law that gave us a clear definition of sin. Because it was like, if you, if you think about someone lustfully, that's sin. If you lie, that's sin. It's just giving a clear explanation about without grace and the empowerment of grace to make us change, we'll be stuck in that cycle all the time. It was saying, do not covet... So when the Lord said, do not covet, it became the catalyst to see how wrong it was for me to crave what belongs to someone else. Or if it said, do not commit adultery or whatever it is. It was through God's commandment that sin was awakened in me and built its base of operation within me to stir up every kind of wrong desire. In verse 9, it says, I once lived without a clear understanding of the law, but when I heard God's commandments, sin sprang to life and brought with it a death sentence. The commandment was intended to bring, sorry, the commandment that was intended to bring life because it was saying, if you can uphold all of these, that's going to be awesome. You're going to be righteous and holy. It actually brought death to me instead. Sin, by the means of commandment, built a base of operation within me to overpower me and put me to death. So that's important for us to know that when we are going, say, through this life, if we ever find ourselves trying to live a life of righteousness and holiness by what we do and our own works, that whole thing is going to produce death in us, and we will just never be able to measure up. Side note, if you have people who are in authority under you, and unknowingly through ignorance, or like, ignorance is a strong word, but unknowingly through almost innocence, or just like not being, not, not knowing, you say to them, do not do this, do not do that, this is how you must live and set a standard for them. And they don't understand grace and the gift that's meant to empower them and transform them, form them. then they'll be trying in their own effort. So I think sometimes, unfortunately, in the church, we've probably done that unknowingly. We just say, 
to people and I, who are under authority. I'll just say it in a broad, maybe our children, maybe those who we're mentoring or whatever, just like you need to come to church, you need to do this, you need to do this, da 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 da, da. Those are all great. But if they don't understand God's empowerment and his grace, <laughs> to be able to do that, then we'll stick them under the law and they'll just produce death in them and they'll just feel like, I can never do it. How can I produce this? And then we wonder sometimes why they backslide and walk away because they just feel like, I've tried to do this thing and I just guess it's just not for me or I just can't measure up and I just can't do it. And, and, and that, is, that is the truth. And so, this is describing the law even further. In the law, we have to live up to this perfect standard to be righteous, justified, and accepted by God. What we get is what we deserve. Everything is by works. We live in our own pride of what we can do in our own strength. Our identity under the law comes from what we do. So I do, therefore I am. So if I do amazingly, therefore I'm amazing. If I sin, well, therefore I'm a sinner. Like whatever it is. If I fail, therefore I'm a failure. That's under the law and that's kind of that thinking. Under the law, we boast in what we have done. So there's a verse here, it says in Romans 4 verses 4, when people work, their wages are not a gift, but something that they have earned. On the other side of that, grace is, is amazing. So under grace, when we live under grace, we become righteous, justified, and accepted by God through believing what Jesus did. So when, when we have that belief, then when, when we have a belief like, okay, Jesus, you died on the cross for me, and then I'm righteous, right? I'm right standing with God. Do you know that that belief, when we believe that, the, the, the free gift of God, the free gift of, of grace comes and actually works in our life to make us become what we've believed in. It is just an amazing thing. I can't say it in any other words. So, under grace, we get what we don't deserve, which is a gift. Everything is by faith. And we live in humility, so it's saying not of my own works, but of God's work with living within me. Our identity under grace comes from our new God-given nature, which is Christ in us. And so I can unpack this later about the empowering of grace in our life, but when, when our identity is no longer in, oh, I sinned, that means I'm a sinner, the identity comes from the truth of God's word, which is like, man, so I was a sinner, then this amazing born again experience happened, and now the Holy Spirit comes and lives within me, and Jesus, even Christ within us, lives in it within me. So now I'm like activating my faith, and then grace comes along and says, man, you are right, I'm going to transform you. And as you believe those things, Holy Spirit says, I'm going to work in you to, to become that. So then you have like an identity shift. So our identity changes when we come under, under grace. So... Um, under grace, we boast in what Christ has done and his power working within us. The next 
uh, verse for that is that, but people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. See, there it is again, faith in God. And it's a receiving a gift. So grace is this amazing force that works within us. And you can see why Paul says, should I just keep on sinning that um, grace may abound? Um, And then he says, absolutely not. Because if we think, oh, I can keep on sinning in sin so that grace may abound, we've, we've really like lost the whole definition of what grace is. Because the only thing that can keep us from sinning or transform us from sinning is the grace of God. So the work of the grace of God in your life is that you won't be under, you, you won't be enslaved to sin. That's what it says in Romans. You won't be like under the, the bounds of it. And so I would say, this is another thing that you could um, take away from today, is that grace without transformation is perversion. Wow. Yep. So it's just perverted. It just it doesn't work. The, the work of grace in your life will just transform you as, as, as you believe that. Amen. And so... In, in a practical sense, okay, so we live our lives. Um, we might be angry. We might have wrong thoughts. We might do something wrong. We might sin. In, in a practical sense, this is how you can release grace in your life through faith. Is, is, is when you pray to God, you can say, man, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry that this happened. So that's like repentance. You know, I, I, I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to happen in my life. But so I'm, I'm sorry for that. And then, and then you can say, man, Lord, I am just so grateful, though, that I'm, that I'm a new creation. You know, that's, just, that's who I once was. And I'm a new creation. That this isn't me. This, like, action that I did isn't, this isn't me. And I just thank you that you're renewing me every day, Lord, that I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind, that, that your spirit is working in, in me and he's doing a greater work. You know, has, see how you're like activating your faith and thank you that I don't need to try and do this thing on my own, but that it's your spirit working in me. And he said he'll, he'll transform me, he'll renew my mind and that the truth will set me free and that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know what I mean? Like, so you're, you're building that, like you're building faith and then as you believe those things about you and your identity, then grace will come and transform you. Instead of thinking, oh man, I did that thing again. Like, ah, oh, you're useless. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's right. It's because, it's because I'm a sinner. You know, it's because like blah, 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 blah. Just you're, def- you're getting defined by what you've done. And then you just end up under the law feeling like, well, maybe then if I read the Bible, God will be pleased with me. And, and or I haven't, I haven't prayed. I've only prayed for 10 minutes today and maybe God wants me to pray for 20 minutes or whatever it is. So it's actually interesting, all of those things, even coming to church. Did you know that God, like in a way, coming to church doesn't make you any more righteous? <laughs> 
or any more holy for God. But, but guess what? When, when you come and receive this gift of God, when you receive what he's already given you, all of those things that you really want to do, then you can do it, right? And so then you will come to church and then you will read the Bible and you will pray or you will do all of those things because it's him that's empowering you to do it and you don't have to strive for it. And so there's this picture that I just loved and it's, uh, it's a picture of like... Um, Boats. We're all in boats, okay? So this is this picture. And grace um, is like a sailboat, right? But works or under the law, when you feel like you have to do everything, it's like you've got one oar and like a little dinghy, <laughs> okay? And so in our own strength, we can get across the water. But guess what? I don't know if you've ever been like in a little paddle boat. <laughs> you start going, you think, oh, man, I'm kind of getting used to this. You're kind of going this way and that way. But then you get pretty tired pretty soon. If you get like a bit of an injury or something, you need a rest. Oh, man. Like, and then you need to start again. And then the circumstances of the currents and the waves and the wind and all that kind of stuff or wait, like wind against you start to get in your face or start to get you down and you're puffing and that's what it's like trying to live a life um, with our own works, like our own effort without the grace of God in our life. Hey? But when we are born again and we have faith of our status of being born again in the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit again that we receive, when, when we like come into that uh, realization, then it's like we can be in a sailboat. <laughs> and in a sailboat, if you put up your sails, or if you're in a sailboat and you're like, I'm in a sailboat now, come on, wind, blow me, and you didn't put up your sails or anything, nothing's going to happen. So I'm not saying that grace is like, you just go like, uh, like, I don't need to do anything now. No. You need to position yourself, right, so that when the wind blows, then it will push you along. And who knows that when you're like sailing, even if the wind is kind of coming against you, that can push you forward to go into the right direction. Eh? And so we need to position ourselves by faith in, in the sailboat and relax from our own like rowing so that we can... Uh, really catch the wind of God. And I would actually propose to you that the, um, the rowing, sorry, so say if we, we're going by the Spirit with the sails of God, and then we thought, oh, I need to do my own thing. I need to, like, something's not happening. I need to row by myself. Um, we will probably, like, let go of the sails and everything, and we will, like, lose the capacity to get the wind of God. And so there's this um, verse that's intrigued me for a long time. Um, and it's where Paul is talking about this thorn that he has like in, in his side. And he said he's going to boast in his weaknesses. And that God says, 
you know, even though you have this thorn and it's produced weakness and it's really annoying for you, and Paul said, man, I've tried to take it away like three times. I asked God to take it away three times. And then um, Paul uh, said that he didn't, but that God spoke to him and said that um, my grace is sufficient for you. And I always just thought this is what it meant, just like um, that obviously he's got this ailment, whatever it is, and that, um, that the grace of God is sufficient, so it's just enough for him to get by. But when I was doing this sermon, I thought, and I'm not saying this is the interpretation of this verse because there's so many different interpretations of it, but I'm saying what if, in context of this like word, and we're looking at grace, what if God says that his grace is so amazing that using the analogy of like rowing in boats, right? What if Paul is trying to row or if we get pride in ourselves and think, man, look at me, I'm just so amazing. I can do this thing. What if God's saying, because my grace is so amazing, my wind is so amazing to push you to where you and to transform you and to empower you to do whatever you need to do. What if he's saying, I'll let your arm just be a little bit sore, right? Maybe I'll just let a tweak in your wrist so that you find it hard to row. So then you think, well, if I can't row, what else am I meant to do? Oh, that's right. I'm meant to rely on the power of God. Or that's right. I've actually got the sails. And so maybe he's saying, then Paul said, I'm going to boast in my weakness. <laughs> because almost like, well, I'm boasting that my wrist is so sore that then I get to put up my sails and have the power of God like empowering me to go instead of me running. Another, another quick um, analogy I found was that of a voucher. And this is um, in terms of grace working in us um, for our calling and our ministry, say, and our finances and the needs that we have, say, for our family or whatever it is. And so I think often we feel like we've got to work for, say, the voucher. So what God has done is it's like he sent us, like, a voucher in the mailbox. So he's already extended his grace. He's already gifted us everything that we need, right? But it's on the voucher. And so say if I got the voucher, who's got vouchers for Christmas and then I've just been chucked in a drawer somewhere? Well, I don't know, it sometimes just happens with me. It's just kind of like, basically I'm like, oh yeah, I've got that voucher in the drawer for Briscoes or something. But it just sits there. But until I go and redeem it, like, what use is it? And then sometimes you grab it and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll use it. And you're like, oh, it's expired. <laughs> but, so this is the thing, until we actually cash it out, what use is it? It's not really, you could be like, and then you could complain, man, I'm so poor, I don't have anything, I don't have any energy or anything. Well, it's because you haven't cashed out what's on the voucher, right? And so everything you need is, is on the voucher, and that's like the believing part, isn't it? You have to believe it and then actually receive it, like cash it out. And so in terms of like ministry and um, doing things, there has to be like a faith action in, in doing that. Paul said that 
for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Um, Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. Well, he said even before that, what I am now, it isn't, it is all because God poured out his special favor, which is grace, on me, and, and this grace was not without results. For, yeah, so he, he's saying that the cogs of his ministry was churning faster than everyone else's. <laughs> Even the young people, by that time, he's probably pretty, I'm guessing, pretty old. He was saying, man, my cogs are turning faster than anyone's. It's like one of those big water wheels, you know, like, you imagine all the other apostles and people, they're probably cranking their water wheel. But what Paul was saying is that my cogs turning faster than everyone's, but it's not me turning the water wheel, but it's like the water, the grace, the empowerment of God that actually turns it. So like I said at the beginning is that grace is multifaceted. Um, Joe, could, I, could you come up on the keys, please? It's like multifaceted. So it, it helps us, like Carl said a few weeks ago, there's that saving grace. You know, if we are, are, are sinners and we believe that there's a God who can take away our sin and can um, save us from what we deserve and we, we believe in Him and we repent then there's that saving grace. But this morning, I'm telling you, church, it doesn't stop there. For every part of your life this morning, for every part of your life, there's a grace to empower, like God wants to empower you into that. Whether or not you like work on a farm or there's leadership or whatever it is, you know, your potential in life by yourself is, is that much. But when God's grace comes and you like relinquish your own ability to do everything, uh, then God can come and do amazing things. So it's like multifaceted. It's so amazing. I guess that's why it's called the amazing grace. (laughs) And I would even hazard a guess as to why I've been able to stand up on the stage this morning and not really know exactly what I was going to say and have the grace of God, His, His power, work through me this morning because I was able to say, man, God, I thank you so much that I don't necessarily know if I have the, have the power or the the right things to say, but I know that your spirit does. <laughs> and now I yield myself to you for you to speak through me and so that it's your power and not mine, that, that wind of the Holy Spirit. So I'm, I'm kind of like a person, probably if you know me, sometimes I just almost struggle to get my words out, like <laughs> struggle to have coherent thoughts sometimes from a bit tired or something. It's definitely not uh, the case this morning of 
God flowing. And so I just believe that God wants to set people free this morning from um, religion. How about we all just stand? You know, religion just says, religion says that you have to do all of these things. You have to try harder. You have to, you know, there's that verse and in, in, in the, it's like a parable and Jesus says this, but two guys and they, one says, I fast twice a week. I do this. I blah, blah, blah. And he lists all these massive things. And then, then the other guy is just like, man, I don't know. I just don't have anything. I need God. And, and, and Jesus said, who, who was the better out of those two? It's the guy who just said, I don't have, have anything. I need God. So in, in relationship, God wants us to come in to relationship with Him and rely on His strength. Thank you, Jesus. God wants to do away with our pride this morning as well. We will end up doing everything that we've wanted to do in our own strength, but through His power. Grace doesn't mean that we'll just do anything and He has the grace so that it doesn't matter. We will end up accomplishing everything that He wants us to do, but through His grace. Thank you, Jesus. So Lord, we just thank you this morning that you are here. Thank you that you want to liberate. Lord, you want to unchain, unchain us. From, from guilt and shame and condemnation. Lord, from constantly having to try and feel like we uh, have to try and measure up. Or constantly feeling like we have to try harder for you. Thank you that you've already accepted us because of what you did on the cross. And Lord, I thank you that because of your empowerment, that we can let go and relinquish our own striving and strength. And through faith this morning, we can be empowered with you. Thank you that it says in your word that God gives grace to the humble. Lord, and we want to humble ourselves this morning in Jesus' name to partner with you, God, and your purposes and your plans in our life, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for the calling and the destiny on each one of our lives, in Jesus' name. And we thank you that grace is sufficient for, to, to complete all of that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father, for it, in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen.